Welcome into Duval Daily, presented by GenJack.com. I'm Jordan DeLugo. Thanks so much for tuning in here on Monday, February 27th, second show of the day here. Talked about some of those roster moves the Jaguars made over the weekend. Now, right here, we're going to focus more on the draft. We've got the combine coming up later this week with on-field work starting in Indy on Thursday. So we're going to run through some position groups here on the channel over the next couple days, some position groups that the Jaguars uh, might be focused on, might be interested in. Today we're going to look at Edge, as voted on by you guys on Twitter. Over on my Twitter, I asked what position y'all wanted to talk about today. Edge was the winner. Edged out defensive line, if you will. Pun intended. And uh, so we're going to look at these Edge players, how they potentially fit with the Jaguars, what round they might fit in and uh, just run through it that way. And I've got them kind of grouped by players that might make sense in the first for them and and so on and so forth. But uh, we also need to look at what the Jaguars' edge situation is on their current roster, right? You've got Josh Allen entering his fifth year of his rookie deal. Um, He's going to be one of your starters at the edge. It looks like Trayvon Walker probably going to be your other starter at the edge in base. So you've got those two guys on the outside. Trayvon's entering year two. We're going to have a big jump, you know, first round, uh, first overall pick of the first round in 2022 for the Jaguars. So Trayvon Walker is going to be looking to make a big jump in year two. You got Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker locked in as those two starting edges. You've also got Caleb on chase on going into the fourth year of his rookie deal as a former first round pick. There is the fifth year option. Doubt the Jaguars. In fact, I can go ahead and guarantee you the Jaguars not going to be picking that up. Uh, so it looks like Caleb on Chase on final year of his rookie deal. Jordan Davis uh, coming off the injury, 2021 fourth round pick, got really good length. I thought he showed progress throughout his rookie year. Of course, had the ACL, the knee injury uh, last summer, unfortunately, which ended his uh, second year in the league before it even got to get going. You've got Arden Key and Dewan Smoot, both free agents. Uh, you want to try and get them back, but it's unclear exactly how that's going to go down right now. Again, Dewan Smoot, he's coming off the Achilles, so probably comes at a discount, unfortunately, for him. He was having a great year for the Jaguars in 2022. And after Smoot's injury, Arden Key really picked up the slack, along with a few other guys. But uh, both of these players are unrestricted free agents, and we don't know how that's going to pan out for the Jaguars, if they're going to be able to retain them, uh, how it will look. I do believe, I would guess. They're going to bring them both back, but it's unclear at this point. You've still got Evan Ingram to worry about in free agency, Jawan Taylor, some other guys. So uh, a lot of moving parts here for the Jaguars still. Arden Key and Dewan Smoot, certainly two of those moving parts. Uh, so based on the current roster construction, again, no Arden Key, no Dewan Smoot. Uh, it looks like at edge, your need really is DPR, designated pass rusher. Those are the roles that those guys provided for you in 2022. You need that in 2023. You cannot take a step backwards as a pass rushing unit in 2023. And you do expect to have some natural growth from year one to year two from Trayvon Walker that should raise the overall level of your group. Uh, I think you could see Josh Allen perhaps perform more consistently in year two under Mike Caldwell. Um, he had a, a gap in his play where started off gangbusters, had maybe a a five or six week stretch along with the rest of the team where it was really ugly. And then down the stretch, he really rebounded and and played some of his best football of his career. But you don't want to just rely on only Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker on the edge. You need more pass rush than that. You need more guys that can get the job done. Uh, 
you know, even even if Trayvon and Josh are healthy the entire year, you need more than two pass rushers. You need more than more than two edge rushers that can get the job done for you. Do you feel confident about Caleb on Chase on taking that step? No, I don't think anybody does at this point. But Caleb on has been, um, despite being a former first round pick, he has been willing to be in sort of this, you know, depth edge role, special teams type of guy and just comes in if there's injuries, if anything else is going on, but doesn't play a ton of reps on defense. If he's fine in that situation, he's a little expensive for the back of the roster. So maybe you see the Jaguars make a move there and try to see if they can get any trade value for him or potentially just move on. I'm not sure. I think keeping him as a depth player makes sense from a football standpoint, might not make sense from a cap standpoint. So we'll see how that plays out. But I still think, uh, you, yeah, Jordan Davis, Caleb on Chase on, those are the guys you have right now behind Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker. You need more reinforcements. Hopefully Arden Key and Dewan Smoot are able to get back to Jacksonville and, and stay here for a while. And, of course, Dewan Smoot, you don't, you don't know when he'll be ready to go, again, coming off that Achilles. So I'm looking at designated pass rusher as the immediate need for the Jaguars here in the 2023 NFL draft. But... Uh, Josh Allen, again, going into the final year of his rookie deal, the fifth-year option year, um, what are they going to do? Are they going to sign him to a long-term deal after the season, before the season? How's that going to play out? What they do with Josh Allen is also going to have an impact on what their needs are because if they don't retain Josh Allen, then now you also need a starter at edge long-term. Not for 2023, but long-term. If, if your plans are not to retain Josh Allen on a deal that's going to pay him a lot of money because he is going to get paid a lot of money wherever he lands. Um, then, then you got to pivot and, and maybe be looking for your 2024 starting edge next to Trayvon Walker here in the 2023 NFL draft. So there's a lot of different moving parts here, right? But I think if the Jaguars are looking for edge guys in this draft, which they should be because this is a strong, strong NFL draft class at edge, in my opinion, uh, I think if they're looking for guys in this draft, they're going to be looking for the things they've always shown you that they look for. Probably, you know, length has been one of the big things that Trent Baalke values. Strength, I think. Overall athletic ability, you know, they like the guys with the with the big-time testing numbers. And they also like versatility. And so um, I think you're probably going to be looking at them trying to find someone, even if that someone is going to be a designated pass rusher in year one, they're going to want that person to have, or that prospect to have the ability to develop into a starter. They're going to want them to have these projectable starting traits. Uh, I don't think they're just going to draft someone who they view as a long-term designated pass rusher. I think they're going to try to draft someone who can, can have more of an impact on all three downs. That's kind of how they've tended to roll with some of these draft picks and, and decisions over the last couple years. So with all that said, now we can start talking about some prospects, some edge prospects. There's a couple guys I think there's absolutely no chance the Jaguars will, will, will be able to draft them, and that's Will Anderson, who should be the first or second uh, non-quarterback off the board. He's going to participate in some some on-field work in Indianapolis. Um, anyone who, in my opinion, is trying to drop him down the board beyond number two behind Jalen Carter or, or maybe Bijan, which, of course, you don't have Bijan uh, valued at number two or three overall, but his skill set certainly says he should be up there, but you don't 
value the running back position as highly as you do edge, pass rush, quarterback, etc. So I think anyone that's not talking about Will Anderson as a top two or three prospect is missing the mark a little bit. Um, I think he's going to show some some really impressive athleticism and and just uh, kind of get 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 some focus back on him, get some attention back on him. I think NFL draft world just kind of gets bored of players, and Will Anderson's been one of those guys that you know number one forever, and, and at very worst number two, you know behind Jalen Carter. Um, for me, he's the number two prospect that I would take in this class. N- n- number two non quarterback prospect I would take in this class behind Jalen Carter excited to see him but I don't know how there's any way he gets even like outside of the top five and that would be including a run on some quarterbacks but one player people are talking about maybe potentially being in that same range is Tyree Wilson and he has a fractured foot that he's recovering from so he's not going to participate at the combine outside of um, the bench press I believe but Tyree Wilson brings incredible length to the position size to the position some folks think he could be the second defender off the board ahead of Will Anderson. I don't really see it that way at all. I think Will Anderson is a a big, big, uh, there's a big gap for me in terms of the grades between Will Anderson and a guy like Tyree Wilson. But I do believe both of those guys are going to be off the board incredibly early and the Jags won't have a shot at them. There's a few players who... I think there's a bigger range of outcomes in terms of where they could be drafted in the first round. And a couple of those guys for me are Lucas Van Ness and Miles Murphy. Do I think, would I project either of those players to fall to 24 overall where the Jaguars are currently slated to pick? Um, No, I don't think I would. And I don't think that they should. But we've seen crazy things happen. Uh, I don't expect them to be available, but I would say if a Miles Murphy or a Lucas Van Ness is available like after pick 15, would it shock me if the Jaguars traded up to land one of them, um, you know, give up a few picks, day two pick, day three pick, maybe a future pick? It wouldn't shock me. I wouldn't predict them to trade up for a player just because they've already traded some draft capital away for Calvin Ridley. If that ends up working out, it's going to end up being more draft capital for Calvin Ridley. Do they really want to keep tying up all their draft assets into um, into players, like multiple draft assets into one player? They did it with Devin Lloyd. They did it with Calvin Ridley. Do they want to do it again in round one of the 2023 NFL draft? I'm not sure, but... Uh, I, I would think that Trent Baalke would be absolutely salivating at the opportunity to land a Miles Murphy or a Lucas Van Ness. And the reason I say that is because when you look at Miles Murphy, yeah, he didn't have the most amazing production in 2022 under a new defensive coordinator. Brent Venables went over to Oklahoma. So Clemson's defense had a new defensive coordinator. Uh, the defense, quite frankly, just didn't look quite as synced up, quite as... Um, quite as locked in and ready to go across the board. It wasn't just Miles Murphy. You saw a lot of guys kind of not really play up to their potential, not play to the level that they showed prior to the 2022 season. And that'll happen when you have a new defensive coordinator. When you lose Brent Venables, who's one of the most well-respected and regarded defensive minds in the college football landscape. But 
Miles Murphy is going to be an absolutely crazy tester. He's going to be about 270, 275. He's going to have really long arms. He's going to be strong. He's going to be really athletic, probably be running in the four fives at that size. Like this is one of those Trayvon Walker type of athletes. And, and I think that that's something that absolutely Trent Balky is going to be excited about seeing. And to be completely honest with you, if I'm comparing Miles Murphy and Trayvon Walker just as prospects, I have a higher grade on Miles Murphy than I did on Trayvon Walker last year. And of course, we need to see the testing from Miles Murphy because that is a part of it. But Miles Murphy, I think, has a more natural skill set to play the edge. Uh, Trayvon Walker has this kind of unicorn ability to play anywhere, and he needs to really. Uh, really hone in on on playing whatever they're going to have him play this year, which it looks like it'll be starting at edge, but I think you'll see him move around a little bit more in 2023 than he did in 2022. But I think Miles Murphy has a more advanced skill set as a pass rusher. It's not, and I'm not comparing it to like, like a Will Anderson or even some of these other prospects where they have a real big tool bag. Miles Murphy does not have a huge tool bag as a pass rusher, but he has more time on task as an edge rusher. He does have some more uh, versatility to his rush than Trayvon Walker did coming out as an edge rusher last year. I think Trent Baalke would be really excited at the opportunity to land a a Miles Murphy. And if I I think if he had to trade up to like 16, if he was still on the board, something like that, that, that the Jaguars would probably be considering it inside that room. And that other guy I mentioned that could be there in the mid-teens, but you know, Mike, he might Miles Murphy could go off the board in the top six, seven picks. I think Sam could be said for Lucas Van Ness probably could go off the board in the top ten picks. But he could probably also be there in the teens. And who knows? Uh, who knows how far he could fall because there's a lot of different varied opinions on different players in this draft class. Lucas Van Ness, he screams Trent Baalke to me. 6'5", 275, he's going to be incredibly explosive, potentially running in the 4'5 range at that size. Uh, he was really productive, went on the field for the Iowa Hawkeyes, but wasn't on the field all that much because the Hawkeyes uh, the, and their program, they promote the the elder classmen, uh, the the upperclassmen, right? The elder statesman in the room gets gets to be the starter. And so Lucas Van Ness had, because he's a younger prospect, he had to be in more of a situational role for Iowa. But when he was in there, I mean, he was giving guys fits. Uh, he was blowing through Peter Scaranzi, who's going to be a first-round pick. Paris Johnson, who's going to be a first-round pick. Lucas Van Ness, he's a type of prospect that right now it's like, well, it is a lot of projection, but... If he had stayed in school and become a, a starter at Iowa or transferred and become a starter elsewhere, this is the type of guy who I think could have been looked at in the same vein as like Aiden Hutchinson type of player, but probably with better length and maybe even more explosiveness than Hutchinson. Uh, I think he's a really special prospect. It's just the fact that he was never a full-time starter for Iowa is what's held him back uh, throughout his journey to the draft. But I think he has a chance to be a top five, top ten pick. I think he also has a chance to be there in the mid-teens. And if he is there, again, like Miles Murphy, would not be shocked if Trent Baalke was excited to try to get his hands on a Lucas Van Ness. And I think Murphy offers a little bit more of the true 3-4 outside linebacker role than Van Ness does, who you really definitely just want to hand in the dirt um, and get him moving forward. So not quite the same prospect. You would want to use them a little bit differently. But both very exciting. Keon White uh, out of Georgia Tech. We've talked about him a little bit here on the channel. 
He's a really exciting uh, athlete at the position. I think he showed up to the Senior Bowl at about 280 pounds after playing close to 290 for Georgia Tech. Yeah, he was 280 uh, at the Senior Bowl, 6'4 and a half, 33 and 5 eighths inch arms, big 10 and a half inch hands. So uh, not the not huge length, like right. Trayvon Walker had the the vines for arms last year. And there's some other guys that have more length than 33 and a half inch arms, 33 and five eights for Keon white, but certainly passes threat passes thresholds uh, at, at the position. And from, from a power standpoint, athleticism, I think he could show up and destroy the combine and be one of the guys that's the most talked about guys uh, leaving. How could he fit with the Jaguars? Um, I don't personally value him quite as high as 24 overall, but, Trent Baalke, he's a traits guy. Keon White has all the traits in the world that you could be looking for, and uh, he's just a really impressive athlete, and you can really continue to project for him because he has not been playing edge that long. He, he came into college as a tight end um, over at Old Dominion and, and transferred to Georgia Tech. He's a defensive end now, pass rusher, and I think the sky's the limit for his potential, but he's also kind of unrefined right now. He's kind of a bull in a china shop on certain plays, has a little bit of a pass rush arsenal, a little bit of a bag of tricks, but they don't always land. He's, he's got to get better at executing them more consistently. But if Trent Baalke will take Trayvon Walker at first overall, at number one overall, I think he would take Keon White at 24 overall, quite frankly. Um, but again... The Jaguars, if they're if they're looking at Josh Allen as a guy that they want to keep around long term, and it would not surprise me if that's what they want to do because they love who he is inside that building. Uh, I know that they love a lot of what he does on the football field. Do they want to pay him to be a true edge one in the NFL? You know, at the peak of the position, I don't know. So if they're looking at Josh Allen as their their long term guy with Trayvon Walker. They probably won't even be looking at edge at 24 overall. But if they've got a question in their head, you know, do we want to pay Josh Allen? Do we want to see how 2023 plays out, et cetera? Then Keon White and other guys could be potential possibilities at 24. For me, I would value Keon White more in the second round for the Jaguars. But will he be there when the Jaguars pick in the second round? I kind of doubt it. Again, based on all of his traits and projectables. And, and make no mistake about it, Balky with these early picks, with these big uh, edge rush defensive lineman players, he likes size. And so Keon White has the size, uh, not only from a length perspective and a height perspective, but from a frame perspective. And White, Van Ness, Murphy all have that size that that um, Trent Balky has really shown that he covets in the draft. The next two guys I wanted to look at who I think are possible at 24 overall, but probably more likely in the second round if, if they're there for the Jaguars. They don't really have that power profile that a Miles Murphy or a Lucas Van Ness or a Keon White has. But what they do have is length and athleticism, and I think they fit really well in that designated pass rush role, but they might not actually be full-time three-down starters that you, that you think are going to hold up against the run at the next level. And that's Will McDonald and B.J. Ojolari, who I think both are going to test really well. We already know Will McDonald has really good length. We already know that he came in at the Senior Bowl above 240 pounds. 
pounds. Um, so you just want to see both of these guys look fluid, look athletic, and it is possible that they could be there at 24 overall for the Jaguars. Uh, Will McDonald, I think he has a huge range in this class because three, four teams, uh, teams that aren't going to really uh, worry as much about him being able to hold up as a down lineman against the run, those teams aren't going to worry about Will McDonald's size or, or lack of, uh, of muscle on his frame. They're going to look at his length and his ability to keep bodies off of him, and they're going to be impressed by that. And I think B.J. Ojolari, you could say some of the same, same things. I don't think he has the same length, but I think he might be a more impressive and twitchy and fluid athlete uh, or, or just as an impressive an athlete as, as a Will McDonald. So I think both of those guys possible at 24, but I would kind of doubt it just based on the fact that I don't think either of them are viewed by or would be viewed by Trent Baalke as a three-down player. The next one is someone I talked to about with uh, with John Shipley about him, and, and Jim Nagy talked about him. He was a senior bowl guy. Derek Hall out of Auburn, great natural leverage, very good arm length for his size, uh, but he's a bit raw, and I do think he has power. Um, I do think he could project to be a three-down player, um, so I think Trent Baalke could could have a lot of interest in him. I think he's going to test well in a lot of ways. I want to see how does he look in the short area explosiveness uh, drills, and I want to see how he looks uh, trying to run the hoop and see if he can show some flexibility and bend. So those are some things I didn't see as much up on tape. You know he has the raw power, the raw athleticism, and, and, and leverage and length, and the demeanor certainly to play to play on the edge, but... Can he develop into a better pass rusher is really my question for Derek Hall. And if he shows the bend and flexibility, then I think we might be able to mold that into a better pass rusher in year two, year three, than what you get in year one. And you've seen guys like that be be the apple of Trent Baalke's eye. Just go, go right back to Trayvon Walker, right? Walker was freakier with his size and overall athletic ability and length, but Derek Hall much further down the board than Trayvon Walker last year, I would not be shocked if they liked him at 24. I really wouldn't. I value him more on day two, but I would not be shocked if, if they're interested in him at 24. A couple other guys I wouldn't be surprised about if they like at 24. Isaiah Foskey. Uh, multiple double-digit sack years for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. He's not super consistent from play to play, from down to down, down, to down from week to week, but you see him make plays every single week. You see him make big plays both as a pass rusher. Again, double-digit sacks in two consecutive years for Notre Dame. You see him make plays against the run. You see that he has tremendous overall athleticism and power and strength in his frame. Um, You saw him make splash plays at the Senior Bowl. You've also seen a lot of ugly plays from him on tape and at the Senior Bowl. So how are you foiling all this? For me, he ends up being a second-round grade, uh, but... All the traits are there, I think, um, that, that you're looking for for the most part outside of maybe elite bend and flexibility. Uh, but he's more of a power rusher anyways. He did show some bend and flexibility at the Senior Bowl, actually uh, winning on the outside track against Jalen Duncan, who has some of the best feet in the class at offensive tackle. Could he help get himself into the back of the first for the Jaguars? Because I think Trent Baalke could view him as a potential long-term starter. Um, So if he goes out there and tests well and impresses, like a lot of people are expecting, 
maybe he can get himself back into the first round conversation. Cause right now I think most are looking at him as a day two player, early day two player. And then the final guy, and for me, not a day one guy at this point, but Felix Anudike Uzoma out of Kansas state. I, I view him as another day two player, second round type pick. But if he goes and shows length and, and some of the freaky athleticism that he shows on tape, he could really skyrocket up boards. Uh, he could be a, a guy that a lot of people really like with his explosive profile, with his production profile. Uh, he's a lot of fun. I think he's pretty raw as well, but there's definitely traits to work with there that Trent Baalke could get excited about. The final one I wanted to mention at 24, but I think he's more likely for day two for a variety of factors, is Nolan Smith out of the University of Georgia. Really, really a unique prospect because he is smaller. Uh, he, he has a small frame, but uh, he's a great run defender. He's a better run defender than he is pass rusher, but he's undersized. So that can confuse some teams, some evaluators. Like, what am I looking at here? Uh, because he absolutely sets an incredibly hard edge. He makes a lot of splash plays against the run, uh, but he's also coming off a torn peck. How's he doing health-wise? Um, all that stuff is going to matter, but Nolan Smith is a really fun prospect, and I don't have him quite at 24 overall, but day two. And look, there's got to be 31 players selected in the first round this year. There's not going to be 31 first-round grades. Different teams are going to have different grades on players, and so you're, I think you're going to see kind of starting around 15, 16 overall maybe, uh, maybe later in the teens, you're just going to start seeing names that you're like, oh my goodness, I was not expecting that. Uh, and I think because there's there's not going to be 31 first-round grade, first grades on teams' boards, um, and, and there never is. There's never a full first round of, of first round grades for teams. Usually you have about 16 to 20, maybe 15 to 20, something like that uh, for most talent evaluators that I've spoken to. But, uh, and for me, I just have a little bit over 20 right now, 20 first round grades. So there's going to be guys that are coming off the board that you're just not going to be expecting to come off the board because so many different teams are going to value different skill sets. And there's so much variation and so much uh, debate about about uh, grades in this class. Like there's some guys that I like early on day two that somebody else might have a day three grade on. That's just kind of the way it goes. Now, some guys that I think are possible for the Jaguars on day two beyond some of the guys we just talked about, because I do think a lot of those players have a chance to fall to day two, and that kind of goes back to the point where it's kind of what you're looking for as a team, as an evaluator, et cetera. But some guys possible for the Jags on day two that I think they would like. Zach Harrison out of Ohio State. He has size. He has incredible length. He's going to have 35-plus inch arms. He's going to be like 265, six foot five. Uh, he's going to run really fast. Reported that he can run in the four fives at that size. He's not going to be the most bendy player. Can you can you show some bend, some fluidity uh, in the hoop drill? But his his size and length and speed alone make him a really attractive prospect and someone you could see Trent Baalke being like, wow, that is impressive. Uh, Mike Morris, kind of similar thing, not as productive, not as heralded uh, as a Zach Harrison actually maybe a little bit more productive and more limited reps this year than Zach Harrison was. 
Uh, but it's been a quiet offseason so far for him, a quiet draft process. But he's six foot six, listed at 292. Again, very productive um, and a more limited role for the Michigan Wolverines. They've got a lot of talent on their defensive line. They always do. But he, he aligned primarily at edge for them, again, at 6'6", 290. Uh, looks like a really good athlete. Looks like he has a pass rush arsenal to him. And so I'm excited to see uh, how he could look. And I think he could be potentially in second round, third round. With how talented this edge group is and some other uh, positions in this class, maybe you could even see a Mike Morris falling later than that. I'm not sure how it's going to play out for him because I haven't heard a ton of buzz on him. But my guess is most teams will have him valued somewhere on day two. That's where I have him valued. We'll see how it plays out. But again, 6'6", 290 with length and power. I think that's kind of right up Trent Baalke's alley. And the next guy is in a similar vein, who I actually like even a little bit more than Mike Morris. Tui Tui Polotu out of USC. Do his measurements and athletic testing uh, tell us a little bit more about where he should align? Maybe kind of like Mike Morris. Maybe they should align more on the interior than they did in college. But I think Tui is kind of a tweener. But I, I could see him being a versatile. Instead of being a tweener being a bad thing, I could see him just being a versatile chess piece on your defensive front who has a lot of length, a lot of athleticism. I'm excited to see how he tests and measures uh, at, at the Combine in Indy. And we've got a couple more guys that we're going to talk about that I think were, would be more like day three targets for the Jaguars, but could be quality day three targets. Yaya Diaby out of Louisville. He's a guy that uh, kind of impressed a little bit at the Senior Bowl with his length, with his explosiveness, and he was productive uh, for Louisville. And so the way I look at him is kind of he's six foot four, two sixty four. So he's not big enough to be a full time interior rusher, but he kind of plays like more of an interior rusher, more of a guy who would probably line at like defensive end and the Jaguars defensive front like I don't see him dropping uh, into shallow zones or anything like that with any consistency I don't think you want that I think you want him moving forward with his linear explosiveness with his length and strength I think Yaya Diaby could be a fun kind of rotational defensive lineman for the Jaguars who aligns you know kind of on the edge but not really at three four outside linebacker where you're going to be dropping him a ton and the next guy is kind of similar for me and that's Ali Gay he had a really impressive senior bowl not as impressive to me on tape uh, at LSU but he's got the length you're looking for I think he's got the size how's he looking testing I think there's flashes at the senior bowl and on tape where you see a really good athlete there's other moments where I can't really tell why it's not all coming together and not clicking from an athletic perspective I think he could be a day two player. I also think Diaby could be a day two player. But I think they're going to end up being bumped down to day three because of the depth of this class and some of the questions about their projection. Another guy who there's a question about his projection. It's KJ Henry, and it's a different question. He lacks length. Uh, he, he's got arms under 33 inches. He also lacks big-time production. Played at Clemson a long time. Started at Clemson for a long time. Uh, has some good tape. Uh, did some good things at the Senior Bowl. But overall, if you lack length, you're going to need to test really, really well. If you lack length and production, you're going to have to kind of um, really, really show out at the Senior Bowl. 
And I hope he can do that. I think he can do that. He does have athletic ability inside of him, and uh, he's a playmaker. So hopefully he can show some of that athleticism and the field work and the 40 and all that fun stuff. Isaiah McGuire, player I was really high on going into the Senior Bowl out of Missouri, kind of one of those thicker, bigger edge defenders. Um, and he just didn't quite – didn't quite have the impact I expected at the senior bowl. He's six foot four, two seventy-one, thirty-three and three-eighths inch arms, so he's got the arm length, but very small hands. You wonder if that's gonna have an impact in his ability to to look as powerful as he did at Missouri at times, because he looked dominant for Missouri at times throughout this last year in college. Uh, if he can test decently, which I'm not sure that he's going to test out as a great athlete, we'll see how it plays out. But if he can test decently, I think he can cement himself as a mid-round pick. If not, you could be looking at uh, more of a late-round pick for Isaiah McGuire, but very productive. I think he was a really good run defender, and there was a little bit of a pass rush arsenal there for him. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how he, ad- uh, how he ends up handling the combine here. Then the last one who I have as a potential day three candidate for the Jaguars is Dylan Horton. Um, I think also lacks length like K.J. Henry, but I think he's probably a little bit of more of an explosive athlete than K.J. Henry at a TCU, and he had a really impressive run down the stretch for them this year. I think he should be a really good tester. Again, he's just lacking a little bit of that length, a little bit of that refinement as a pass rusher, but... Could he end up being a guy that the Jags take on day three and he develops into you know a, a quality third edge rusher behind a Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker? I think he could be that type of guy. So uh, that will that will round out here our combine preview at edge for the Jaguars. If there's anyone else that we didn't get to here that you're really interested in, you can let me know in the comment section below. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Jordan DeLugo, and I'll do my best to provide some feedback on that for y'all. But really appreciate you tuning in here uh, to Duval Daily. Uh, Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button here on YouTube. Subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice. Really helps us out here at Jag. Really appreciate y'all tuning in. Hope you have a great rest of your Monday, Duval.